Good morning, good morning. Wake yo ass up. This is Fupa Dupa Fly Podcast with your host, Brockel. And this episode is Y'all Trick Y'all. This episode, we're going to review The Real Housewives of Potomac Reunion Part 3, Season 5. And I must say that if I was to rank all three episodes, parts of the reunion, of course, part one will be at the top. Because that's when Monique got it going. Then I would place part three in second place. Because even though part three annoyed me the most, what I like is it exposed a lot of antics and character of the cast. Now, I already knew how these people were, and I already knew everybody for their works. But for the viewers, if you know, we're tuning in for the first time, or if you were trying to determine where you stand at with all the individual castmates, I think part three definitely solidified who is what for this group of people. And part two would be in last place, or it would be in third place. And I say that because there was so much momentum for part two. There was some so much chitter-chatter on social media about what part two was going to be. And actually, a lot of what happened in part two actually happened in part three. If I were to give this episode a rating on a scale of one to ten, I would give it a five. And I am going to get into that in my review. But before we start the review, I would just like to say it's December 28th, 2020. In three days, we'll embark on a new year. I will be turning 29 years old in the year 2021. You all will be turning one year older in 2021. Now, I don't know what the year holds for you. I don't know if you have any plans, any desires, any goals, any aspirations. But is it me or... Is everyone in like a psychological slump these last three days? I just feel so drained of energy, so drained of inspiration. So, ugh, because of everything that's going on, it's hard to have a positive outlook for the upcoming year. Um, There are so many people just going through the worst And you want to help them and you wish there was something that you can do to help them. But 
you're really not in a position to help people the way you want to help people. So I just want to say for all of you who have listened to me since I started this podcast and who are listening now, you don't have to want to conquer the world in this upcoming year and you don't have to conquer the world. You have succeeded by just being here and existing and making it through. That's enough and you are enough. Now, that's been said. Let's get into the shit. Now, the moment that you've all been waiting for. Let's welcome to the stage Giselle Bryant and her security guard, her human prop that she promised a Chick-fil-A sandwich to if he would accompany her to the reunion. First Lady of New Birth. I didn't know First Ladies use motherfucker and ass and fuck and this and that. I didn't know first ladies use that kind of language. I haven't willingly been to church since 2004. I don't want to go to church. I'm not a Christian and I don't follow any organized religion. So I ain't going to be going through the doors of nobody's church now or in the future. But from my understanding of the people of the church, they're supposed to conduct themselves in a certain manner, both publicly and privately. And this woman exemplifies that it does not matter your looks, your pedigree, your associations, your status, or your wealth. None of that makes you whole inside. Giselle Bryant is a miserable, bitter, decrepit, crass, messy, drama-filled, horrible, horrible, horrible person. I hate the character that she presents on The Real Housewives of Potomac. I hate it. It is the classic mean girl character. And you fitty. You my mama age. Why you acting like that? I don't think that telling a woman that's why you don't have a man. I don't think that that is a read. I don't think that that's an insult. Nobody has to have a man. Men are not something of value to have. Men are not something of value to keep. So on that contingency, if we just want to isolate that aspect of the damn thing, I don't feel like Giselle should feel any kind of way about not having a man or not keeping a man. But since Giselle placed so much value in relationships and having a man, 
I think that it was very hard for her to sit on that stage and watch several husbands be there for their wives year after year. It was very hard for her to see the way Chris Samuels supported his wife. It has been very hard for her to see how Chris loves his wife, supports his wife, protects his wife, even against his own mother. And she don't have that. You know something that I notice about Giselle? She has really good energy with a lot of the castmates' husbands. Andy said, oh, it was so touching to see that bonding moment between Juan and Giselle and how he opened up to Giselle. Isn't it ironic that he opened up to Giselle and was more open with Giselle than he was his own? spouse and then even if you see the banter that she had with Chris Bassett but then when you see the type of interaction and the banter that she has with Pastor Holy Whore something don't add up Listen, we all know that they ain't in a relationship. They ain't fucking. They ain't hunching. They ain't loving. They ain't gonna be loving. They not in love. They not gonna be married. They not in a relationship. They not together. It was all for reality TV. We know this. But Giselle just seemed like the type of bitch that'll fuck your man. She seemed like the type of bitch that'll fuck your man. And she seemed like the type of bitch that even if she wouldn't fuck your man, if the man came to her and was like, Giselle, let me get some of that ass, that she would find joy in the fact that this man won a piece of that ass. Whether or not she tells her girlfriend, it depends on how that factors into Giselle's messy calendar. But I just don't think think that Giselle can be a genuine friend to anybody because she has so many personal issues that she has to work out. Let's be plain and clear. Everybody is always up Giselle's ass as she's so pretty. She's so beautiful. She's so pretty. She's so beautiful. She's so pretty. She's so beautiful. Let's just be honest. The reason why people are always saying that about Giselle is because she's light-skinned with green eyes. Now, we know the whole thing about good hair. We don't know if Giselle got good hair because her shit is fried, dyed, and laid to rest. It ain't healthy, and it's not for the glory of the kingdom. But Giselle has gotten by her entire life by being light-skinned with green eyes, even on this show. And just to see this woman in her neck, in her chin, puffing up her lips, puffing up her cheeks, at every single thing, at every act of love, logic, 
remorse, apology. She's a terrible person to have in the group, but she makes great TV for Bravo. She's their puppeteer. No, Bravo's the puppeteer. She's the puppet. It really disgusted me seeing how Giselle conducted herself throughout this entire reunion. And if we want to talk about props, the bodyguard situation was a prop that she regurgitated for the reunion. Remember, like, episode five or six, when she brought the goddamn bodyguard to Karen's house and he sat his ass in the kitchen and looked as stupid as he looked on the goddamn reunion. What did she pay him in? A giant gift card. Like, I ain't mad at you, sir. Work ain't honest, but it pays the bills. But there was no reason for a bodyguard. And it's sad that you had to pay a bodyguard to come with you, but you couldn't get your man to come there with you for free. After I watched this reunion, I was talking to myself as I always do. And I said, to sum up this reunion, you cannot entertain someone who is committed to misunderstanding you. There was no way that Chris was going to get any honesty out of Giselle. There was no way Monique was going to get any honesty out of Giselle. There was no way that Giselle was going to admit her wrongdoings and her messiness, even when Candace called it out. Even when Candace said she's messy. And she's drama-filled. And she's allowed to be. Even when production showed the clip of her bringing up the rumor, she gets saved. Year after year, season after season, Mess after mess. Next season, unless you are going into some intense psychotherapy, unless the next season is essentially just about the girls, Giselle, I I, I don't want any parts of you. I if if it was up to me, I would you would be not on this show. Chris posed absolutely no threat to you. What he said, of course, was transphobic, but he did not say that he himself, a man, wanted to stomp you. There was no way 
that Chris was going to come across that stage and try to physically harm you. He never cursed at you. He never called you out of your name. He didn't even, he wasn't even verbally abusive to you. He tried to apologize to you. He tried to right his wrongs, but he wanted a conversation with you. And for a woman who likes to talk a lot, you did a very crafty tactic. You tried to mirror Monique's behavior. You tried to pay him dust. But baby, it was written all over your face how you really felt. You looked guilty. As a motherfucker, you looked guilty and you were guilty and you were complicit and you did find joy from the rumor. You would have been the ringleader of the rumor being on the show if they would have allowed it. Stop playing with our intelligence. Hurt people hurt people. You need to get some help, Giselle. Momo and Chris, um, I feel really bad for y'all because the way that this was edited, the way the questions were asked, the way that essentially everybody, most mostly everybody, sat on stage and made you look like you're crazy. It made you look like you were crazy. Now, I know and people who have been following all this bullshit, we know that you're not crazy. We know that these bitches are terrible. We know that people have been plotting to tear your marriage apart, to tear your family apart or whatever. I honestly and sincerely respect Chris saying, listen, this is about my child. I don't want my child to get older and to look on TV, to look on the internet and to see that at some point there were women questioning his paternity. I totally get that. I totally understand that. Um, Protect your wife. Protect your kids. I'm riding with you, homie. And I think it was also very grown man and very noble for her. Him to try and apologize to the lady. But like I said before, you cannot have a conversation with people who are committed to misunderstanding you. There was no way that you were going to get through to Giselle. There was no way you were going to get through to Robin. Because Robin is up Giselle's ass. Um, Honestly, I think that there was some positive discourse to have between Chris and Candace. And I do appreciate how Candace talked to Chris very directly and say, listen, um, there was a plot. Because you have to remember, Candace said, yeah, there was a conversation that was had at, you know, amongst us ladies. And I immediately said, well, that's not going to work because the baby looks just like him. But... Chris knows the real deal. Chris knows that it just wasn't a conversation that was had um, one time between these ladies. He knows that 
they was all stirred up in the mess. And honestly, he had to know that these white people were not going to treat him and his wife fairly as it pertains to this rumor. And if and I felt bad for him because I felt like he was genuine. I felt like he was genuine. And I felt like came what he had to do. Now, when he said, I play chess, not checkers, bitch, I want to know. What you finna do? What you finna do, Chris? What's up your sleeve, Chris? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I want to see, though. I want to see, baby. Do you know some tea on Jazzy? <laughs> Monique finally did what you bitches asked her to do, and it wasn't enough. Just like I said in my last review, if she apologizes, you're going to say that it's not genuine. And if she doesn't apologize, you're going to say she doesn't have a remorse. And she's a monster. She's damned if she do. She's damned if she don't. It was a fight. Get over it. You know, and I'm with Monique. Like, you're not about to beat me into submission. I'm just not going to do that. I don't need the show this much. I don't want a spot on the show this much. I don't value this show over my family. And I think when we look at reality TV and we look at how people are so desperate to be famous, and they're desperate to have a check that they will create storylines and they will expose their family to a world of scrutiny and hurt just to be keep a spot on any show. And I believe that what we see is a woman that says, I'm not going to compromise my integrity, my marriage, my children, my anything for this show. I'm not going to do it. Now, the ball is in your court what you want to do next. And if that looks crazy to you, that just goes to show you how unrealistic reality TV has been. You know, this is supposed to be something that's fun. This is not supposed to be something for a check. Being that this is called the Real Housewives and they're supposed to already be wealthy. This is supposed to be something that's fun. This is supposed to be something that could potentially leverage your other businesses or, you know, uh, garner you some visibility. It's not supposed to be a job, like a real job. You know, you're not supposed to have this these emotions that you would have at a real job. Like my boss ain't shit. I'm stressed out. I hate my coworkers. No, bitch, you can go work a nine to five for all that drama. No, 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 no. And I think that, I think we've just gotten to a point where we're used to chaos and dysfunction to where when you see somebody trying to block all that shit and, and bring back their equilibrium and protect their peace, that person looks crazy. That's where we've gotten to as a viewership 
that's where we've gotten to as society. And that's the type of environment that these people go through. I would like to bring up a parallel. If anybody watches Love and Hip Hop Hollywood, there's a um, character on that show named Monique Slaughter. And Monique was on Love and Hip Hop Hollywood since the first season. And every season, every reunion, well, every season she was portrayed to be crazy. She was portrayed to be jealous. She was portrayed to be messy. She was portrayed to be all of these negative things. And a, a person that was very integral in helping to portray her that way was the father of her son. In like every reunion, she would literally break down and cry. She would literally say, I have mental health issues as a result of this show. She would essentially, in so many ways, say this show is not, you know, healthy for my mental health. And finally, she walked away. She said, listen, I'm done. I can't. I value me and my family and my son and whatever more than this goddamn show. And you have everybody saying, oh, you'll be back. Oh, you need this show. Oh, you need to check. Oh, you don't have nothing else going on. Da, 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 da. People have to understand, even if a motherfucker don't have nothing else going on, even if they're not going to make a song, they're not going to write a book, they're not going to start a business. If a motherfucker goes back to living their regular life, that's okay. You don't got to do shit. You can just live. And the fact that Monique have the option to just live her life in bliss with her kids and her husband and her family, that's a beautiful fucking thing. That's a beautiful fucking thing. Why stress yourself out when you don't got to? If I was Monique, I wouldn't have even apologized. But I think her apology was very succinct. And I think it was very on brand to how she has felt, and she's been very consistent in how she feels. And now that it's been confirmed that she's not coming back, she's doing exactly what Monice has done, and I am very happy for her. Chris, I am mad at you, dog. You did what you had to do. You did what you came to do, but unfortunately, they did make you look like you were crazy, even though people who got good goddamn sense know that you're not. Anywho, I do wish the Samuels the absolute best. And um, it feels good to see black people in a position of comfort. It, it feels really good, and I hope that y'all can keep that going. And uh, I bid adieu to you. Miss Wendy, Dr. Wendy Osefo, Miss Fordergris, you didn't really contribute anything to this season, and you didn't really contribute, to, contribute anything to this reunion other than... Being up Giselle's ass, and um, it was—it wasn't even entertaining what you were doing. However, I really like your husband, and I really like your children, and I really like that dynamic. And I really would prefer for you to bring that next season. Um, 
show the viewer something different. Show them that you don't have to be involved in mess. Show them that you can have a good time. You can be educated. You can lead conversations on various things. But speaking on conversations, I think Wendy just tried entirely too hard to paint this picture of her marriage being pulled up and chased. Um, perhaps it's like a cultural thing that Nigerians don't talk about sex openly or they don't joke about it in that manner. But from what I see, she was overly concerned with, oh, my husband don't do that. Oh, we don't talk about that. Oh, Eddie would never do that. And Eddie's in the background like, okay. Which leads me to believe that Wendy's at home gargling dick and swallowing nuts like it's foo-foo. And I can see if you don't want to talk about that on national TV. But something inside my soul thinks she's trying to now. She watched the season. She really understands how idiotic that she looked the entire season for the most part. And now she's on the train of, oh, we, we as in Nigerians don't do that. Now, I don't have any good, good girlfriends from Nigeria. I do have some friends from Africa, uh, mostly from Senegal uh, and Kenya. And I even know I have a, I have a friend from Ghana. I don't have any from Nigeria. And I do not want to start any diaspora wars because I understand that I don't have a lot of exposure to their culture. However, you have to know what you're getting into when you join a cast like these. This is not a conservative network. This is not BBC. This is not Lifetime, even though there's some mess on Lifetime. This is Bravo. This is the Real Housewives franchise. And they're going to talk about a multitude of things. That being sex, really what... Chris did and with the bottle and everything, just like he said, it was a dry moment and I was trying to lighten up the fucking mood. Like, get over your goddamn self. I'm pretty sure that in Nigeria, they have some type of playful banter about sex. Like, it's really not that serious. Um, Wendy, you really did not have any purpose in this reunion. You did not. And I'm going to need for you to find some purpose next season. But more so, and I, I don't know if they're comfortable talking about this because I know it's a sore spot. And I mean, how much more can you say? Uh, Eddie's parents and Eddie's family and um, this part of Nigerian culture to where if the mom and the dad don't see it for the relationship of their child or they don't like their child's spouse for reasons that to me are just completely insane. I just think the whole idea of a caste system, I think is very lowbrow. Ooh, I just lost my train of thought. So I think it's very lowbrow. And this whole idea that if mom and dad 
don't see it for your marriage, then your whole family can't communicate with you, can't have a relationship with you. That's insanity. And you know, how much blame can you place on his siblings? Because they're raised in this culture. And so they're indoctrinated with these type of traditions. But God damn it, you got to have enough common sense. You've been in the world. You've been exposed to other cultures and other people. And you just been exposed to rationale and logic as you grow and become older. That is not it. That is not where it's at. Ain't no goddamn way in hell I'm going to forego a relationship with my brother, with my niece, with my nephew, because his wife comes from a family that is supposedly low caste or they're not good or they got some bad juju on them. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to throw away my family like that, especially if that family has not done anything to me, if her family has not done anything to me. Um, I've been hearing a lot about just the way Nigerian culture functions towards the spouse. I do have a friend that's married to a Nigerian man, and his family is similarly kind of trying to do the same thing to her. They feel a way about her because of who she is. She's a black American woman. They feel a way about her children who are, you know, they're not Nigerian. They're not biologically hers. They're not biologically his. And they just do some really nasty things to make her feel not a part of the family. And I will say to everybody, if you got some type of fucked up cultural tradition in your mix that you are still keeping up in 2021, leave that shit behind. Because the only person who's really going to lose out in the big scheme of things, is your dumb ass. So that's all for Wendy. Wendy really didn't have anything for me to go off of. All her works were really done in part one. So that was Wendy. Um, I'm not really interested in seeing her for season six, but I guess if she'll be back, I hope she does better. Miss Robin Dixon. Robin said, I am so glad Juan Dixon is not here. <laughs> Miss girl, Juan Dixon didn't want to be there. And quiet is kept. He ain't going to bust a grape in a goddamn fruit fight. And we all know that. Basketball practice? Practice. No, no not a game, but practice. Ain't he the head coach? He couldn't have given his assistant some notes and have them run it for one day so that he could be there and support his fiance, the mother of his children, his future wife, his number one cheerleader. Practice. 
Robin is somebody else who has no purpose on this show. And it's sad because even though Robin is not rich compared to what the other ladies possess financially, even though Robin is not extravagant like a Karen or a Monique or whatever, what Robin brings to the show is something so innocent and basic and realistic. And she squanders that opportunity by also being up Giselle's ass, by also following the crowd, by also regurgitating this tired-ass storyline. Don't nobody want them crunchy-ass motherfucking hats that you get when you go on a road trip and you want just a little yang yang from the little city that you stopped through in, like, West Virginia, and you go in the gas station and you buy a $3.50 hat. Like, girl... You don't have no purpose on this show. Your hats are boring. Your relationship is boring. Your friendships are boring. And the reason why your friendships are boring, because I always say, there always has to be that friend that is the voice of reason. That's going to just give it to you how the fuck it is. They're not going to add any fluff. They're not going to handle you with kid gloves. They're going to be like, look here, ho. And I would love for Robin to be that, but Robin is not that. I don't know what happened between, like, season two and beyond, but Giselle done went down to that goddamn New Orleans and plucked a piece of Robin's blonde hair and worked a root on that woman to where she can't call shit out. There is no way that somebody like Robin, who I truly think she is, I think she could be a cool ass chick. There's no way somebody like that can be friends with somebody like Giselle. And look themselves in the mirror every day. Knowing what Giselle is. Knowing what she's embodies. And that shit don't rub off on you. <sighs> she repeatedly. Let me tell you something. Robin gets away with being aggressive too. Robin gets away with it. Robin got away with it when she stepped to Ashley in her restaurant and says, this is me putting my finger in your face. Because to be honest, if Robin got into the face of the right one, that definitely would have been a brawl in that restaurant. Then, I think it was uh, season four. Yeah, maybe like season four, when her and Monique were about to get into it. And Monique was like, Robin, back up, or I'm going to choke you out with this umbrella. She's been aggressive. She's been at the crux of getting into a fight. 
And nobody says nothing. And nobody bats an eye. And nobody holds her feet to the fire. And I just think that's weird. Um, but like I said, I think that if Robin was smart, she would reevaluate the kind of friendship that she has with Giselle. And moving forward into the next season, she would kind of dial back how much on the messy train she decides to get on. Because when they were talking about her hat venture, and she was saying, well, Karen's photo in comparison to the other ladies were a little bit too serious. Goodbye. Because if you were a smart businesswoman, you would say, you know what? I want this hat to be for women of all ages. So I'm definitely going to make sure that I feature this 57-year-old woman in my ad so that other women who are 57 and older can say, you know what? I like this. I rarely see women of our age in ads like this. I'm going to buy a hat. See, you bitch, you just lost out. A, you just lost a sale of $3.50 because you wanted to be messy. Um, other than that, that's it. <laughs> uh, everybody knows that Juan doesn't love her. Everybody knows that Juan doesn't want to marry her. Um, and the whole next season, we're going to be talking about <sighs> tired ass, small destination wedding. Girl, I guess. I actually really like her relationship with her sons. And I would like, you know, to see that. I would be interested in seeing that. Her sons have got to be heading into either preteen or teenage years. And um, it would be beautiful to see how they are changing and how they are adjusting, how they are adapting, and how she's adapting. But other than that, I don't want to hear nothing about this relationship. I don't hear nothing about these hats. I don't want her to be involved in any mess. Robin, it's time for you to go to some root worker and recenter yourself. Carry some crystals in your pocket, girl. Get it together. We tired. We see through you. You was doing too much of that chitter chatter at the side of your mouth. And really what I wanted, I wanted Monique to just come across and deck you right in the chin. Not hard, just a little bit. Just to shift you back in place. Just to get you back on your equilibrium. To specifically address the situation between Juan and Michael, I believe Michael does know something that Robin and the other ladies don't. I believe that Michael had a Freudian slip and blurted out, oh, he'll never marry Robin because. Juan has most likely confided in Michael that he doesn't see it for that relationship. That he's not in love with her. And that he has interests that lie elsewhere. I don't believe that Michael was just saying that to say that. It's called bro code. A lot of men have it. And he wouldn't expose Juan's secrets because I believe that he truly does value his friendship with Juan. 
And I believe that Juan is still going to maintain some type of friendship with Michael. Now, this whole um, Michael and Juan are fucking, I don't know. I don't care if they are. It would be bad because they're both keeping it a secret from their respective spouses. Or so we think. But, you know... I'm not opposed to two men fucking. So the two men fucking part, that doesn't bother me. The deception part would be my issue. Um, it's so fucking ironic, though, that uh, we knew that, that Juan wasn't there and Michael wasn't there. Which is... Ace the narrative that bitch they somewhere together, drinking and laughing or drinking and fucking. <laughs> mm-hmm. But let's not act like it's far fetched of a homeboy knowing some dirt on another homeboy and feeling some kind of way when that homeboy then gets married. Honestly, men like each other more than they like women. Men like each other more than they like women. And um, I believe that relationship and that friendship in general is probably the strongest from the show. But I don't think that anybody will ever get to the bottom of that unless Michaels gets pissy motherfucking drunk and spills the beans. And baby, you never know. That may be their storyline next season. We'll see. Mrs. Cut Me That Check Darby. What's popping, boo? Uh, Ashley just seems to be over it. She really doesn't have a dog in this fight. We all know she doesn't like Candace. And that's fine. But I also get the feeling that she's not... as good as friends with Monique as the show portrayed. I believe Monique did her a solid, so she did Monique a solid. I don't believe that Monique and Michael, I mean, Monique, the Samuels, and the Darbys will be hanging out outside of the show once the show is over. I don't believe that. You can kind of see that Ashley was kind of detached this uh, reunion. And I'm interested in everybody's spiel. Um, I honestly think that Ashley has a very strong desire to forge a relationship with Giselle and Robin. Maybe it's a light skin thing, um, but it's very obvious. But one thing that I know about Ashley is when she's pregnant, she definitely seems to turn within herself. And maybe that's because she doesn't want to stress herself out. She doesn't want to um, potentially harm the baby or whatever. But for everybody who's saying that Ashley believes everything Michael Darby tells her, I don't believe that Ashley believes anything that Michael says. I think that Ashley knows who she got. I think Ashley knows who she married. But I think Ashley don't care. Ashley's in it for the long game. 
and we will see the fruit of this labor in the next three years. If the show is still around, if she's still on the show, when she divorces Michael and walk off into the sunset with their two sons, um, sashaying and partaying. <sighs> um, there's no excuse for how Michael conducted himself this season at that goddamn party. It just reeks of white male entitlement. It just reeks of elitism. It just reeks of um, an alcohol problem. You don't know how to handle your liquor. So therefore, you should not drink when in social settings around people that don't share the same cultural practices as you. As far as grabbing ass, as far as smacking ass, as far as walking into somebody's face, and invading their personal space. You need to be around a room full of Michael Darby's. And unless they have the technology to clone your ass, I think that you should never return to the show in the capacity of a social setting. Even me as a viewer, I'm done with Michael Darby. I don't want to see Michael Darby. I think that it is best if Michael fashions himself as a devoting husband and a doting father. That's it and that's all. Um, I don't extend grace to people like Michael. But I know that Ashley is just of the chagrin of you bitches talking about my husband and you mad when he want to get bucked. Yeah, we are mad that he want to get bucked because Michael took it too far. Him trying to fight production, him doing the thing with Chris. The only thing that I appreciated about when Michael did all that he did at that party was that he just exposed that Candace bucks, but she don't bark. Now, I'm not saying that Candace should fight a man. I'm not saying that Candace should fight anybody. But what I am saying is, Bitch, you definitely rev yourself up like you bout it. And then you want to play like you're just this pretty little princess from Georgia or Mississippi. Where are you from? I don't know. We don't care. Into who? I mean, other than that, Ashley, girl, whatever. Get your coin. Even when she was responding to Chris, I just think she was like, all right, nigga, all right, bye, whatever, okay. All right, cool, whatever. Ashley was done. She was ready to go hunt for, uh, what's, what's the baby's name? <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. See you next season, Ashley. Of course, next season, you're going to have given birth. 
and you may be experiencing some postpartum depression um, after your second child. And it will be interesting to see how you juggle the postpartum depression from your new child while your first child is a toddler and managing that. Now, I know that, you know, these housewives, they're wealthy. They can hire nannies. But it seems to me that Ashley is kind of like one of those holistic moms and she doesn't want a nanny. But, you know, we shall see. I honestly would like to potentially see her relationship with her brother. And maybe the relationship with her baby sister. I think that would be really refreshing to see a different side of her family. Because, girl, we don't care about your mama. We don't care about Uncle Lump. We don't care about Michael. So, yeah, Dean, the new baby, your brother, your your baby sister. We know your daddy ain't shit. We know his side ain't shit. Let's do that. Or maybe Ashley goes back to school. I don't know. Those are my projections. Those are my wants and those are my desires for Mrs. Ashley Darby. Candy girl, I'd go get you a I can give me a cookie. I can give me a cookie. To review your ass. Could be tired of you, girl. You're tired of your bullshit. Candace needed to get smacked. When she said, Oh, are you provoking her? She's just so full of shit. She cried tears on stage. She cried tears off stage. She's trying to sway the viewers. Nobody swayed. The the small group of people that are on your side are on your side. And they're going to remain on your side. Because those people are of your ilk. You think that you're more intelligent than you actually are. You think that you're a wordsmith when you're actually not. Whether or not you want to take accountability... That's neither here nor there. The reunion is over. The season is over. Monique is leaving. In your mind, you think that you've won, but you won't win. Not until you go fix the issues that you have within yourself. You know it was a plot. You said it was a plot. And I'm just over you. What else is there to say about Candace? This is my thing. Monique was right. Once you go legal on me, I'm not talking to you. I'm not reaching out to you. I'm going to 
follow the counsel, the advice of my counsel. If you're so educated and smart, you would know that what she did was smart. And just like everybody said, once she did apologize, apologize, your dumb ass, you didn't accept it. If you try to profit off this fight by suing her for millions of dollars, then why can't she profit off this fight by making a song? Dummy. You think somebody's supposed to lay down and let you steamroll over them? Absolutely not. And, oh, let me say this. For you and Chris Bumass to say you support somebody who talks about my kids, let me tell you something. Pay your child support. Repair the relationship that you have with the mother of your children. Then repair the relationship that you have with your children before you try to project your lack of fathering onto the Samuel. You ain't seen your oldest son in how many years? Instead of being on TV, giving this bitch brown liquor, walking around with your pants unzipped, cooking white folks barbecue, maybe you need to get some money and get your motherfucking ass in court and fight to see your goddamn son. That's what you need to do, Chris. Hennis, it ain't your motherfucking kids. Stop it. Those are not your children. You are the stepmama, bitch. You are the play auntie, bitch. Stop it. Our kids, girl, bye. You want to try to make these people more culpable for your perceived support of this blogger rather than putting the effort into being a better father. And I always say this, I don't got no sympathy for no goddamn man who don't fight for his fucking kids. No sympathy. No sympathy. If the bitch is not letting you see your motherfucking kids or you having problems, get your ass in the court and do what the fuck you got to do. And if you ain't doing it, that ain't nobody's fault but yours. I ain't never heard nothing nobody ever said about Chris's children. <sighs> Candace, you prove you didn't need it. You did not need an apology. You did not need Monique's remorse. You wanted Monique to be devastated, and since she wasn't. That devastated you. Miss Ma'am, in the real world, you will get slapped. Who will? Especially if you're going to have a, um, an acting career, you might get slapped. You might get slapped. I don't see the music career going anywhere. 
And I don't see the acting career going anywhere either. I would suggest that you, since you are so committed to holding on to your wig, invest more time into your wig line. And let me tell you something. To tell somebody that you can go rot in eternal hell, that is a threat. And that is aggressive. And that it's violence. And you did that to Karen. And you shouldn't have said that to Karen. What Karen did, it just didn't warrant that. And see, that's the thing, Candace. You think, you said it yourself. I'm a wordsmith. You're not. You're just crass. You're just a nasty human being. You just say terrible things. You just say terrible things. That you, you're not as smart as you think you are. Because if you was really smart, the viewers would be on your side, not Monique. You got four dusty bitches on your side. Four. And maybe a few hundred thousand dusty bitches in the world. Okay, girl. Okay. It was a plot. You was a part of it. You got your ass popped. You continue to run your fucking mouth. You're messy. And I don't want to see you back next season. But if you do come back next season, hurt people, hurt people. Get some help, Candace. Last but not least, the grand dame of Potomac, Mrs. Karen Hooger. I'm going to keep it short and sweet because Karen really didn't give me a lot on this part three. What I will say is, is that it's beautiful that Karen and Ray have chosen to show us a side of their marriage that is so realistic of what a lot of married couples go through, um, especially when you have been married for a very long time. A lot of time, feelings change, and uh, you may love that person, but you may fall out of love with that person. I always say that love is Love is not hard work, but I, I do say the honeymoon phase doesn't last forever. And that it could be very difficult when you see the same motherfucker every day. Day after 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 day and feel like you felt on the first day. Now, some people say they feel like that with their spouse. And I'm not here to tell you that, you know, um, I don't feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> with my significant other, but I love them nonetheless. And I think that when you reach certain milestones in your relationship, love looks differently. And I think that that's also something very important is that we have to understand that love takes new shapes and new forms and love looks differently at different stages of relationships. But uh, I'm glad that Ray and Karen was transparent with their feelings. And I'm glad that they seem to have worked through some of their issues. Um, at the end of the day, I think Ray's ego was hurt. Because Karen is in her bag. And now he's at the sunset of his life. And she's not at that place. And I look forward to seeing them playing their 25th um uh, 
uh, vow, wedding anniversary, vow renew or whatever next season. Um, and I just, I look forward to seeing Karen being Karen. And what I think is so beautiful about Karen and her character on the show, she knows how to look at the bigger picture and she knows how to see the moral of the whole goddamn thing. It's like, okay, we've done this, we've argued, we fussed and we fight and we've talked and we've analyzed and we've scrutinized, but this ain't sisterhood. This is not a sisterhood and we have got to stop tearing each other down. And she's so true because for all these ladies to be talking about black women this and black women that and black women this, nobody has, for the, for the most part, a lot of the ladies on the show have not demonstrated the true sisterhood, what a true sisterhood looks like between black women, what a healthy, realistic sisterhood looks like between black women. And no, a sisterhood for me doesn't look like allowing you to do anything and just accepting it. A sisterhood means holding you accountable. A sisterhood means encouraging you to be greater, encouraging you to be more, encourage you to pack your shit. A sisterhood is having fun and not operating in chaos and dysfunction and mess and drama. A sisterhood is supporting each other's endeavors. And I feel like that's what's lacking in this group. And I feel like that's what this group needs to get back to. And one thing I will say with the Karen and the Candace argument is I do not disagree with Karen's stance. You can't go and cry your tears and do all this hoopla about your trauma. And you are constantly inflicting trauma onto other people. But when you are the trauma spreader, you just can't stand it and say it. Just like with the situation with at the beginning of the season when everybody was asking her to apologize to Ashley and she just wouldn't do it. And she was like, I will do it on my own time. That's really a character flaw that Candace has. And she has to understand words are weapons. And what she said to Karen was a threat. Burn burn in eternal hell? That's not a threat? (sighs) Whatever. Karen, keep doing you. Keep doing your fragrance and your wig lines. Keep keep being real about your marriage. That's one thing that I've always felt like was very real from Karen was her marriage to Ray. Like, despite all the tax issues and all that shit, I felt like the marriage was real. She had a very realistic view of marriage, and she always believed that you have to work at marriage. and. When I say work, I'm not saying overextend yourself. I'm not saying accept anything. All I'm saying is that you have to understand that sometimes when you can't fix the issues alone, oh, get help. Beautiful thing. And um, Karen is actually the only person that I look forward to seeing next season. So, yeah. So, that wraps up 
part three of the Real Housewives of Potomac Reunion season five. My lasting comments is a lot of people have some very valid emotions about Andy. And what I will say is what I have always said about the white gays. Just because he's gay doesn't mean he's woke. Just because he's gay doesn't mean that he is in any way a true ally to you. At the end of the, at the end of the day, he is still a white man and he still operates from that privilege. And you could tell that he is very intimidated by Monique saying she doesn't need the show. Monique saying that this income is inconsequential to what her husband provides for her. He doesn't like that. And he made it a mission to annihilate her from the moment she said that. We shouldn't be surprised. Um, white networks will never truly portray black people in the manner that they deserve to be portrayed. Understand that. I don't know if I'll be watching season six. That has not come yet. But as I've stated profoundly several times throughout this episode, what I will leave you with is this. You cannot have a conversation with someone who is committed to misunderstanding you. This has been Fupa Dupa Fly Podcast, episode 11. Oh, one of my last episodes of 2020. And I will see you in the new year. Be safe, be kind to yourself, protect your peace. Bye.